we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6, but I'm going to speak to you from my heart today about some things, okay? And uh, if we really had just a glimpse into the spirit realm and could, could understand what God has initiated inside of us, A lot of times we're caught in this maze of trying to overcome our own perceptions of our unworthiness or our failure and we stare in the mirror and we measure ourselves based on inconsistency and based on our own failure. But somehow in God's supernatural realm, he's able to look at us and see us based on what Christ accomplished for us and not just the history of what has been done in the past but he measures us based on what God what Christ will accomplish through us and he sees us for what we will be in him and he by the Holy Spirit is drawing us to that place so we find intentionally in God's word scriptures that challenge us forward and they sound too extreme or too lofty for where we're walking today. And it is intentional by the Spirit of the Lord. Not to make us feel like we are falling short, but to draw us deeper and to take us higher into what God wants to accomplish through our lives. So when we see where we are compared to the promise, it's not to belittle us or make us feel less or unworthy or somehow I've fallen short. But it is to pull us spiritually deeper into what God's got planned for us. So rather than allowing the enemy to jump on our backs and beat us on the heads and tell us, see, I told you so, you're a failure. You're less than. The mistakes don't count. They are of no account. Because the enemy may be trying to pull us back and belittle and drag us down, but the Spirit of the Lord is pulling us forward. And he has knit himself together with us to carry us there. Come walk with me. Let me show you the things I have planned for you. Woo. So we have scriptures like this, and we're going to be here at Ephesians 6, and then we're going to go somewhere else, because there's something the Spirit of the Lord has been calling me to deal with, and I'm going to go there with you. It's foundational. We've got to have those things in place. And it says, let's start with verse 10. Finally, we've been here, and we've been here, and we've been here. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in His mighty power... Put on the full armor of God so that you, will be, that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes, the devil's methods, the devil's, the devil's workings. Take your stand against him. It's hard not to preach through this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Look, we get frustrated with people. We get frustrated with circumstances. We get frustrated with, with all of that. But that is not where our struggle is. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. 
I remember being down at the laundry mat. Our first house that we had had this washing machine in it that not only could it wash clothes, it had the ability to walk. And sometimes we'd come to our back door to go in a house, and you couldn't get in the back door because it had walked away from the wall. And you'd have to push the washing machine out of the way. And one day it made an attempt at resurrection, and didn't, it failed. It died. I came in that house, and there was ball bearings and black stuff on it. And so we ended up, it was, we for a while had to run down to, to uh, the laundromat and I remember going in that laundromat one night, and I'm sitting there minding my own business, and there were three young boys in there. I mean, young boys. They couldn't have been more than 12 years old. And those boys, that whole laundromat, I want you to know, they came right across from me and sat there and started taunting me. And I'm sitting there. Why in the world? You know what? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. I knew immediately. It had nothing to do with who I was. It had to do with who he was in me. And the enemy was just working through them to try to harass me. But the Lord helped me in that situation. It doesn't always work in traffic. But the Lord helped me in that situation not to focus on those kids because I thought, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. That's what Jesus said, isn't it? Father, forgive them they don't know what they're doing those boys didn't know what they were doing they were taunting me the enemy was working through them they didn't even realize it but we don't wrestle with flesh and blood people aren't your problem so where's the problem um look if there is a perpetual bad attitude do you know that other people aren't responsible for that do you know that you are responsible for your emotions and not to get too psychological about it but i guess i'm going there is that you know that usually our emotional response thing is the layering of year and year patterning of of the experiences of our life and how we've learned to deal and process with our experience and it creates an emotional atmosphere that we draw from in certain situations. That's why there's one person that can go to a roller coaster and say, yes, a roller coaster. And another person that goes to the roller and say, I don't think so. I don't, I don't. Or they get on there because of peer pressure and they're terrified the whole time. I know about that because that's how I was when I would go to, to, to King's Dominion with the youth and I was the youth leader. I was terrified. I'm the terrified one. Because I... My Hannah loves a roller coaster. She loves a roller coaster. Just that little 28-year-old lady, 4'11", 28 years old. But she's always loved a roller coaster. And no one else in the family wanted to ride roller coasters, so Dad had to man up and ride the roller coasters with her. And I hated roller coasters. We went down to Florida with Bush Gardens. Roller coasters. There's roller coasters in all these theme parks. What's wrong with them? And I finally learned one day, because Hannah would get on there and just have a ball, and then we'd get through it, thank the Lord, I'm getting close to Jesus, and we get through it, and she said, can we do it again? And I'm like, There's no, no one else would ride it with her, unless we took a friend. And so finally one day, I got on, got on an elevator, and, I'm the elevator, got on a roller coaster, and it was, whew, 
one of these swirly ones and does the flips and everything like that. It was real smooth. It wasn't an abrasive kind or anything like that. But I got on there, and this whole roller coaster of people are on there just having a good time, and I am holding just as tightly as I can to that roller coaster, all cramped up, losing strength, you know, my muscles doing like this. And I'm doing my best from about two-thirds of the way back on the roller coaster, trying to steer you know, but that's kind of the way we do with things, right? It's out of our control, but we're trying to control it. Because if I can hang on to this thing, maybe it'll do right. And finally, it just hit me. Everybody else on here is just having a good time. And you're trying to control it from where you are. And the thought went through my mind, what if you just took a deep breath and decided to have fun? What if you just decided to have fun? Yes, it's a contrary thought. It was not my normal process. And you know what I did? I had to let go. I can't control this thing. I can make a decision. I can either decide to have fun or I can be miserable all day. There was an even bigger roller coaster we were going to. It doesn't. Shikra. So anyhow, I just relaxed. And you know what? For the first time, I enjoyed the weightlessness of flight on a roller coaster. And I had a good time. But it was a decision to change my mindset with regard to what I was experiencing and learning to go with it. There was an outcome that would come out of it. And God set me free from that. Now, let me tell you this. I don't bubble up on the inside about, rolling, about riding a roller coaster. But I can do it and be free. I can get on Shikra that goes up. 200 feet, and then does a sheer drop down 90-degree angle to the earth. I see you coming. Before, But you know what? I can be free. But there is a different emotional response to environments that people get into, and those emotional responses are a developed response because of our experience. You grow up in a harsh, abusive household, and your tendency is to expect that type of experience from other people. So you create this wall, a bravado, protectiveness. You lash out first. And, and I, I don't have the opportunity to, or the time to paint all the scenarios, but the way we approach life, the emotion that's attached to that is, is something that we've learned to do through our course in life. And that's why God works so hard to renew our minds so that we begin seeing life and experiences and opportunities the way he wants us to see it. Because, see, if somehow there has been this seed thought that's been planted in there that's grown up and is now bearing fruit and put deep roots down into our life that tells us that people are always against us and that every opportunity is some kind of turn sour or sometimes I'm, or that we are always going to fail anyhow, then we may not step through the doors of opportunity that God gives us. Give, I've got to get a business idea. Well, I, I, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I, I'd fail at it anyhow. So I'm never even going to take a step forward. And so the enemy uses those things to undercut us, to cut our legs right out from under us. And we never are able to achieve the fullness of what God has created us for. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against rulers and against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then there's a great word, therefore. 
So he's letting us know that that battle may be going on in the spirit realm. That battle may be going on our own thoughts, in our own family, in our own space. That, that, that battle may be, be going, therefore, that lets us know there's a remedy that's been put in place. There's hope. God knows about that battle, and he's put a provision in place, and it says there, therefore, put on the full armor of God. What Paul is saying without saying here yet is that if God provided us with this armor, that armor is more than enough to meet the challenges of that battle that we're facing. God's provided for it. And he goes on and he lists the armor. If you've been in Sunday school, if you've been in church or been around, you've heard this. I'm going to go through that list, but we're not going to focus on the armor today, but I do want to read it, okay? Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the evil day comes, when you're facing a battle, when you're going through a struggle, you will be able to stand your ground. Did it say, wait until the battle gets there? Go ahead and put it on. Why not get familiar with what God provided for you before you get in the battle? Lord, I'm facing a struggle. Do you have a scripture for me? No. Prepare in advance. Don't pick up the sword only on the day of battle. Get familiar with it in your hands. Swing it around a little bit. Do warfare beforehand. So that when the evil day comes, you may be able to stand your ground. So you were standing our ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. I've got to say it. It is not just talking about just maintaining. It's not a defensive battle. Yes, you do You do command the territory that is under your scope of influence. Let me define that. Your household. Command the authority in your household, your domain of influence, whatever your domain of influence, if it's your home, if it's your classroom, if it's your workspace, if it's your cubicle, Whatever it is that God's given you authority over, command that space as a space. Declare the lordship of Jesus. I do this daily. Jesus, I want you to be lord of my life. For me, that covers me, that covers Cecile, it covers my children, it covers my, my, their spouses, it covers their, my grandchildren, it covers our household, it covers my, the, the church that we are a part of. It covers everything that I've got authority over. Jesus, be Lord. It is a a quick statement, but it is not in any way diminished in its authority. You understand that? I may not be praying through each level, and there are times where I pray through, through, through each level, but that statement now is an affirmation that what I have prayed before stands today. I'm giving Jesus the right to set anything in order that needs to be in order, to, to remove anything that needs to be removed, to establish what he wants established in our lives. So take your ground. Stand firm. So that you will be able to stand. And then it says to stand firm then. And so the intention of the scripture here and what it actually communicates is that there is a standing with regards to the territory that's already yours. But God didn't call us to fight just a defensive battle. It's not just about preservation. It's about conquest. 
It's not, I'm going to say it again. It's not just about preservation. We've got to get this back into the body of Christ. We have become so passive in the body of Christ. And I'm not talking about being obnoxious. But we have got to get aggressive about sharing what we have, getting the truth out there, making people aware of Christ's provision for them, uprooting things that should not be. If we don't use the voice that God's given us, how will they know? It's not just about preservation. It's about conquest. It's about setting captives free. Thriving, not just surviving. We're not just existing, folks. We are learning to, and we are, we're learning to reign with Christ because we will. So isn't it just, shouldn't we just expect that he starts with us? We start in our own heart, in our own life, and the circle that he puts us in, and then God will expand that circle. If we're faithful with a little bit, he'll give us more. And look, let me just, can I just say this? If you've been walking this journey for a while and you can look at your life and say, but it's still just a mess. I just see a mess. Don't lose heart. You know what I found? It's easy to view ourselves and our circumstance based on our current position and we so easily lose sight of where he brought us from. We measure ourselves based on the day, and we can't see that. And we can't, ah, there's, there's a bigger thing that I could talk about right there, but I don't really want to get into it because it takes too much time. But we measure ourselves based on our current vision, and we can stand up and look in the mirror, and we see, this may affect some of you more than it affects me, but we may see our hair all awry. See the little gray patches coming in the, the stubble there? You know, things have changed. I can look in there and I can say, wow, there's things that could be different. I mean, some people do that. <coughs> but we can look at ourselves and judge ourselves based on today. But we, we can't see. I'm glad we can't. But we can't see everything that has been done. I get up and I wash my face in the morning because I want it to be clean. But there's been a whole lot of washing that's, that's been going on through the years. This is really a gross, a gross thing. But what if all that other washing hadn't happened? But the reality is, I may get up today and there may be something that needs to be washed off of my face. I have to clean myself again. But it's not the accumulated stuff that has already gone away. It's just what happened today. Look, we live in a world, we come in contact with stuff you turn on your television, you're going to get bombarded with things you shouldn't be seeing. Turn on your computer. I'm not, that was not imperative, turn on your computer so that this can happen. When you turn on your computer, you're going to see things that you should not see. There's going to be emails with stuff. There's going to be, I, I was talking to someone the other day that they got a, a text message that should not have come to them and they got a really quick text message say, please delete that, that wasn't supposed to go to you, it was at one digit off. And I'm thinking, well, why would you send it? If it shouldn't have gone out, so they had punched in the wrong phone number and sent it to someone they shouldn't have sent it to. But how did I get there? You're going to come across stuff that you shouldn't be coming across. 
wash away today's grime and get ready for tomorrow. When you get up in the morning, deal with what happened last night and uh, get ready for the new day. Look forward. Don't look back. Look forward. Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. This feels like a Sunday school lesson and we could take the time to go there. But we're not going to go there yet, okay? Breastplate of righteousness in place. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We talked about the gospel on Wednesday night. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you might extinguish. You can. You can extinguish all, not some of, you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then I don't, 18 is, has to be in there. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the saints. Look, everybody around you. Everybody around you. Just, would you just look around? Everybody around you. Come on, look around. Find somebody. Mike's looking down. <laughs> look around. Look at somebody. Everybody around you is fighting a struggle. Their struggle may be different than yours, but their struggle is just as, the enemy's just as intent to take them out. But, the enduring thing, the enduring word of the Lord is that we've been made more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. When the battle rages, stand firm then. Keep on standing and keep on standing. Don't give in. If you get knocked down, don't stay down. Get up. Don't stay down. Get up. If you feel like you're wavering and you're weakening, call somebody. Ask for help. Get someone to come alongside you. Call on the Lord, your comfort, the, the comforters with you. Get up. There's three things that the Lord spoke to me and told me I needed to talk to you about today that is foundational for us to be able to, to overcome this battle. The first one we've kind of touched on just a little bit, but would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3? Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, and I won't have a lot of time to spend with this, so I'm not going to try, okay? But it's important that as a believer, that this be a part for you. So let me just give you the background. I don't think I'm going to really spend a whole lot of time digging through the scriptures here, but 3 and 4 deals with, it, deals with this. And <clears throat> who was the book of Hebrews written to? Wow, y'all are sharp. It was written to a Hebrew audience. The author of Hebrews goes back, and we believe it to be Paul, but the author of Hebrews, it's not clearly stated as is normally done in Paul's writing, but we believe it to be Paul, and he was writing to a Hebraic community, and he was, he was showing in comparison to Moses how Jesus fulfilled the promises and how Jesus was a familiar phraseology throughout and a theme throughout is the superiority of Christ to Moses to the law, even to the temple, that he is showing that Christ fulfills all, that he is over and above anything that went on before, that he is the completion. So when you read the book of Hebrews 
this afternoon um, or whenever you get to the book of Hebrews, just remember that. It's talking about how Christ is superior to you. You you wouldn't miss it if you went through. But in verse 3, it deals with something. It talks about how the children of Israel had been enslaved. They were brought out of slavery, and they were given a promise of a land. And it wasn't just about having houses and land, a place to call your own. It was about after all those years of harassment and torment and enslavement that they had the promise of rest. But even though God revealed himself in such a powerful way to them in freeing them from the ensnarement of Pharaoh and meeting them, I mean, God came down on Mount Sinai. They saw his presence come down in a cloud. They heard the peals of thunder. They heard his voice. And all that they experienced of the Lord and all that they experienced in the wilderness with his provision throughout that time, they still did not, were not able to enter into his rest because, number one, they stayed attached to things of the world. Unbelief, instead of going forward in their relationship with God in a time when Moses is up on the mountain having an encounter with God because the people said, look, we're afraid. We don't want to hear from him for ourselves. God's intention was to be Emmanuel, God with them. Has a God ever come down to dwell in the midst of his people? God was coming to dwell among his people. Can you imagine that? But they like, we're scared. God's already seen them. God already knows who they are. God knows it. But that we don't want to hear from him for ourselves. You go up the mountain and hear for us. And in the midst of Moses being up in the mountain, receiving the law of the Lord, they choose to build a golden calf and go back to worshiping the idols of the path when God's right there. They never entered into the rest. They went back to the old crutches, the old way of doing things, when God was so present with them. Old mindsets, old way of doing things. What have we learned to depend on that's not God? In, in the body of Christ, what Israel could not possess Jesus has freshly made available to us that for the body of Christ that we can enter into his rest. And the Lord challenged me this week because, you know, I've, I've been able to travel and minister to the body of Christ in various places around the world. I'm excited about Nova Scotia because I feel this, I, I don't know, I, it sounds cliche to say a world, that's what it feels. I feel this churning on the inside in the spirit because God's, God has to change me in order to bring a fresh word to them. So I'm churning, okay? I'm, all, I'm stirred up on the inside. God has to challenge me before he can challenge them. But I find in the body of Christ a lot of times, and this, we, we're in, in the same boat, that even though we know the Lord, that we've received him, a lot of times we are not at rest. In that, like we were talking earlier, we're still viewing ourselves based on the... We, don't, we haven't really understood that the brokenness and the separation 
It's done with. You are in Him. You're not apart from Him. Now, an image that comes to mind a lot of times to me when I think about this is, is someone coming to a, a house of the Lord where there's worship and there's fellowship and the presence of the Lord is powerful in the place and somehow rather than feeling like that's a place for them, they feel like they're standing out the door looking through the window. Because they don't feel like they really deserve to be there. They don't feel like they're measured up to other people. We don't have to measure to anything. Kim, would you stand up for just a second? I'm going to get you to stand up too, okay? Kim, you get to be yourself. I'm going to get him to be somebody else, okay? okay? Y'all can face that way because they want to see your smiling, happy, good-looking faces. He, she, this is Kim, okay? This, he is going to be Billy Graham. Step in a good direction. Okay. In the presence of the Lord, who is more worthy of the mercy of God? <laughs> I didn't say he was more needy. <laughs> I said, who is more worthy? See, we measure ourselves. You can, y'all go ahead and be seated. We measure ourselves and we say, but that person has got it together more than I do. That's the wrong kind of measurement. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not because I read the Bible ten times in a year and I can quote it all. In multiple different versions. It's not about that. It's about being in Him, Christ in you. And to be able to rest in that. That what Christ accomplished on my behalf, it is finished. If I could get you to receive that breath of fresh air today... And just be able to say, outside of staring yourself in the mirror and finding and picking all the pieces and the details and what I would change and what I wish I could change, what I wish I didn't do and all that kind of, just to look at yourself and say, Jesus took it. It is finished. I'm in him. Yes, some may not grasp what it is to be forgiven so deeply Some may be feeling confident in their goodness. But if it's not based on grace and what he accomplished for it, our waiting is wrong. Look, it's on grace. It's not because I live so good and I do. do. It's about the grace of Christ and what he's accomplished in us, folks. You can rest in him. That part is finished. If you're in Christ, if you've received him as your Savior, if you have chosen to connect your life to him, that sinful side is done. The old man is buried and gone. It's in the past. It's about the new life now. You may measure yourself in your new life and say, well, I'm falling down. I don't have it all together. I've got issues in my life. Yes, you may. But that's not about the old man. That part is dead. It's about you discovering and learning how to walk now. 
It's about learning how to stand so that you can learn how to walk, so that you can learn how to run, so that you can strengthen yourself in the Lord. Go forward. That's the new man. That is not the old man. Rest. You're in a whole different place now. So don't see yourself based on who you are. Understand who you are today. It's not the past, it's the present. You are new. People you come in contact with may not see that or say that. They may still call you based on your, per your past. You're a new person, whether they see it or not. Christ in me, I am knit together with him. I've got a new family. I've got a new inheritance. I'm of a new people. Oh, we're peculiar, all right. But we're in him. You know what? The enemy whispers in our ear and tells us, you're a failure. You'll never make it. You're not accepted. But I could, can I tell you this? The reason why he is so vocal. Have you ever stood before a braggadocious person that's just, you know, their mouths just running, 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 and you realize you're all fluff? You know? I'm not negating the power that the enemy does have, but I'm going to tell you, no matter what power he has, God's greater. So... You may find yourself in a storm with regards to the battle going on in your mind, but I want to tell you that God's intent is to, to be able to, to bring you through that storm. The, the waves and the wind still know his name. Why would the enemy attack you so violently? Because he trembles at the God inside of you. As long as he can intimidate you and hold you down and suppress you, he might be able to trick you into taking his territory. He might be able to, take you, to keep you from being able to free your family from the bondage that you're having to fight through. He may be able to stop you from being able to overcome and excel and to start that business or to have that financial breakthrough or to have that healing that God's not only intended for you but intends for you to share with other people because you've got hope inside of you now. So he, yes, he's fighting against you. And he tries to pluck the old strings to make some, you know what the harmonic resonance is? Sympathetic resonance. You can pluck, uh, where's Bill? Bill? Hey, hey, Bill. Bill knows this. Chris McCabe had a family thing. He wasn't able to be with us today. He had to go to Chapel Hill with his aunt, be praying for them. They've got a major decision that's coming in her situation today. Medical staff wants to talk to her. So Chris wasn't, but on a piano, any kind of stringed instrument, it's, if you have an open string, in other words, nothing's suppressing it, and it is tuned to let's say an E, it's a good guitar, an E, and you take another guitar and you put it alongside it and you strum an E, the string that has not been st strummed, <laughs> plucked, has not been strucken, the other string will begin to vibrate because it's tuned to that same frequency. And this frequency over here 
will cause this ring, to, this string to resonate. Don't you just love that, Holy Spirit? Come on, let's let's play some music together. God, I want my heart, my soul, my life to begin to resonate with you. Would you just stir something up? Can I tell you something that's really interesting? This is something I love. Have you ever heard with your physical ear a biblical truth and instead of it sounding like a new thing, it just sounded like a yes. Why is that? Have you ever thought about that? You hear something and it just, it agrees with you. Why is that? It's a harmonic resonance. You're hearing the Word of God over here, and it's agreeing with the Word of God inside of you. It's already present inside. Lord, help us to hear from you more so that what the tune that becomes played in our heart is nothing more than the resonance of heaven being released in the earth. There's things that God wants to do inside of us. But we've got to come to rest in Him. So that we understand the battle about the past is over. Can we just say amen to that? Amen. amen. So the first word was rest. The second word was peace. Do you have peace? The scripture that came to mind, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to have to give you scriptures and you can look them up. Look at this right here. I did something different. I made some pieces of paper that say notes, but I didn't give them out. Um, so I, 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 we can listen online if you need to go back and listen to this. Scripture says this, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Here's a question. Are you free? If I were to distribute these pieces of paper right now, here's what I would encourage us to do. Not to focus on this, but to recognize it. What things are we perpetually struggling with what do i struggle with what do you struggle with what are we perpetually struggling with that does not reflect what christ gave to us in what areas are we really not free and because we're not free in that area it's causing us to have unrest we find no peace scripture says that he who the sun sets free is free indeed so within that scope of our relationship with Christ, we should be free. If there are things that are piercing through or things that are somehow are um, the term that I'm looking for, I'm not finding a word to communicate. <clears throat> infiltrating is a good word. Infiltrating that peace are not of God. And we really need to learn to recognize it. That that's an attempt of the enemy to keep us from walking in peace, to keep us entangled, to keep us frustrated, to keep us stirred up, to keep us from being the people that God called us to be. We must walk in peace. Romans 8. Can't miss an opportunity to go to Romans 8.
Do you have peace? When you think about your relationship with God, are you still struggling? Is there still strife? Can, we, we really need to take an inventory, though. We need to take an inventory of our lives and say, okay, what is it that is, not causing, that is causing me to not have peace? What's causing me to struggle? What am I fighting with over and over and over and over again? Mike could get up here and, and preach on this because he's listening to this, but yesterday we were in Virginia. Cecile and I went to go be there with her mom and dad. And when they went to go, I tasked myself with weeding a rock garden. I could hardly get out of bed this morning. I was <laughs> sore. I could get out, but I didn't want to because I hurt to move. <clears throat> but I got out there, and, and I didn't have the tools that would have benefited me. What I did have was these two things. And I pulled the weeds from that whole rock garden area. I did not get to accomplish all that I, didn't, I thought I was just going to breeze through. But I did do that area. I finished that area. And I had, at one point, a ball of weeds about that big that I then had to get down to the woods. That was not my only trip to the woods with weeds. But, I mean, I physically was pulling those weeds up out of the ground. Underneath the, the cover of rock and, and mulch that was in one area, the, the weed net, I mean, it was just a mass of weeds underneath there. And it just took me right back to how the enemy tries to work in our lives. There, uh, uh, Mike could share with you better than I can right now about the sycamine tree. When, when the scripture talks about don't allow a root of bitterness to grow up in your life. That that sycamine tree, so feel free, Mike, if you, if you get the opportunity to share, to, to share about this. But that that sycamine, one thing that's characteristic is, num number one, the roots go deep. And this, the allusion there to the root of bitterness talks about the sycamine. The roots go deep. And they become such a, a tight-knit ball, it closes out the opportunity for anything else to grow. So it's very deep-rooted. And it also is, is so compact that nothing else can grow. There's no life available to it. And, and when it's talking about allowing a root of bitterness, don't allow a root of bitterness to get started. Don't allow it to take root in your life. Look, if that bitterness begins to grow in your life, not only is it going to put deep roots, it's going to affect everything that's going on. It's going to stifle your life. Bitterness, unforgiveness. We could multiply Areas or perhaps snares or entrapments or sins or habit patterns or emotions. And, but what things are affecting your peace in the Lord? Is it a habitual pattern? Is it a, a one-time thing? Is it somebody that's being used against you that breaks you down and somehow, even though we wrestle not against flesh and blood, there's an emotional soft spot when it comes to that person and it causes us to lose our peace. We need to take inventory of that. You know, a, a company, when they initiate a strategy, they will plan, plan, plan. They will implement, implement, implement. Then they come back, and I don't know why I'm saying the words more than one time, but they'll come back and they do what? evaluate they take a look at it okay this was our intent are we actually able to accomplish this how is our efficiency in this area what can we do better about this they evaluate and then they adjust and make changes so that they can move forward to better accomplish their goal 
We need to do that. We need to take spiritual inventory of our lives. What is affecting our peace? Because when you don't have peace, you become scattered. You be, you, it, it's frustrating. You lose focus. You can't move forward and accomplish the things that God intends for you to accomplish. We've got to have peace in our lives. Romans 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. The righteousness requirements of the law have been fully met in us through Christ. Who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. So the key here is not allowing ourselves to be ensnared by those habit patterns, by those thoughts, by those things that are perpetual, reoccurring things that try to upset us or drag us down, but that our minds be set on the Spirit and we begin to live out of that realm. We're not the old man anymore. We are a new man that is created to be in fellowship with God, and that's what gives us our daily strength. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on, nat- on, I'm sorry, I looked up and got out of my, my, uh, my reader range, okay. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. There's so much good in this. I could just read the whole thing. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we could, yeah. This is like one of those, this is a gold mine right here. Diamonds everywhere. So, for the sake of time, let's go to verse 37. Oh, wait, wait, got to go to 35. We're going to keep backing up. 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution we're talking about somebody writing here who's been through it. He's been in jail. He's been beaten. He's been stoned. Not in the California way. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. Does that sound like our contemporary gospel? <laughs> Lord, for your sake... We face death all day long. We're considered as a sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He's not saying... He's not just saying that those externals will have power to destroy us. But the confidence is that even though we have to endure those externals, that the spirit of Christ inside of us will sustain us to be more than conquerors over those situations. 
the, the final song that we sang today where it said, it is well, it is well, is, rings a familiar tune for those of you that have been in church for a long time because of another song that said, it is well with my soul. Powerful story. I, I, so let me see my telephone real quick. Um, thank you. I don't know. I could have picked that up without you having to do that, couldn't I? How many of you know that song, It Is Well With My Soul? You remember that song? What's that? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. I won't go all through it, although it's a worthy song. Maybe you'll go back and look at it in your afternoon reading. Let me get here. The author of that song, Horatio G. Spafford, was a Presbyterian layman from Chicago. He had established a very successful legal practice as a young businessman and was also a devout Christian. Among his close friends were several evangelists, including famous Dwight L. Moody, also from Chicago. Spafford's fortune evaporated in the wake of the great Chicago fire in 1870. You ever be through, been through something where you said, why, God, why? So his whole fortune just evaporated. Having invested heavily in real estate along Lake Michigan shoreline, he lost everything overnight. In a saga reminiscent of Job, his son died a short time before his financial disaster, but the worst was yet to come. Desiring for the rest of his wife and four daughter, daughters, as well as wishing to join and assist Moody and his uh, companions on, in, in, on a campaign in Great Britain, Britain, Spafford planned a European trip with his family in 1873. Folks, that, sailing ship days, okay, not airplane days, 1873. In November of that year, Due to an unexpected last-minute business development, he had to remain in Chicago but sent his wife and four daughters ahead as scheduled on a ship that's named. He expected to follow in a few days. On November the 22nd, the ship was struck by another English vessel and sank within 12 minutes. Several days later, the, survivor, uh, the survivors were finally landed in Cardiff and basically the word... Um, his, a word came from his wife, and she said, saved, the only word that he got was, saved alone. She was the only one. The four daughters were gone. Spafford immediately left to join his wife. The hymn is, is said to have pinned as he approached the area in the ocean, thought to be where his ship carrying his daughters had sunk. When peace like a river tendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou have taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. What is your peace based on? It better not be on your environment. It better not be in your circumstances, because if it is, there's more to that, but I'm not going to go into it right now. If it is, then every time adversity shows up at your door, all of a sudden you question your relationship with God. You question your strength in the Lord. Paul says you will face trouble. I mean, you, you're going to have it. And I'm thinking about Ephesians chapter 6. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but fear not, for I have overcome the world. So it is not our circumstances 
this earth environment, this world system by which we gain our confidence or our strength. If not, it's going to be a fickle life that we lead. But we are in Him. Our life in Him is secure. We can have peace in the middle of the storm. Oh, death, where is thy sting? There's nothing but hope beyond here. We can't measure our circumstance, our life based on the world situation. Oh, I have done it again. Let, let me just say this to you. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is going to be challenging and I'm going to have to be quick. We've talked about rest. We've talked about peace. I want to challenge you as a believer because, because we have heard and we have walked in some deeper things. But we still need to check our foundations every once in a while. The scripture, the scripture says in, uh, there was a challenge in Acts chapter 19 when Paul met some very zealous believers. But there was something that stirred him and he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And this is a subject that I would love to spend time on going into this. <clears throat> Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Because the possibility is that when, my personal belief, traditionally different denominations would teach differently. My belief is that you cannot declare that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit at work inside of you. It's the Holy Spirit that prompts that statement inside of you. So there's a connection that happens there. When we come in relationship with God, I believe that the Holy Spirit becomes active in a believer's life. So then why would he ask believers this question? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? I believe that there is a, a transition that needs to happen in the heart of a believer where we go from receiving salvation and believing for, for that to releasing ourselves to be activated and used of the Holy Spirit. And if I were to term or phrase what baptism in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, there was definitely a baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Holy Spirit came down, tongues and fire and, and, the, and, and, and all that went with that on that day. But I believe what is missing in, in a lot of believers today is not the reception of the Holy Spirit, but the release of the Holy Spirit. That's why I've talked to us about learning to acclimate to the atmosphere of the, the, of the Spirit so that we're not just responding to his presence with jubilation but we have acclimated to the presence so yes we celebrate that but we realize that in that presence we can operate so it's not just whoo goosebumps but it is what do you want to do lord I'm acclimated. This is my environment that I function in the presence of the Lord. And there has to be a transition. I'm, I'm having to move over this quickly. I know the Holy Spirit is going to bring us back to it. <clears throat> what can happen is even in spirit-filled, can I even go further and define it the way that the Pentecostals, we would how, how we would define it, baptized in the Holy Spirit, tongue-talking, fire-breathing, whatever. <laughs> Believers... A lot of times we are still looking for the next experience to equip us when he's already here. 
And what we need to do is learn how to function in him, flow with him. And so, because here's what I've learned. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to preach the good news. He has anointed me to set the captive free. So in that mindset, it is not about a feeling. There may present a situation where I've had an awful day, rest and peace, maybe a struggle, but God may present an opportunity. The anointing is still there to meet the need. So whether I feel it or don't feel it, I can function in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. What do I do? I tune the dial of the Spirit so that that harmonic resonance is there. I'm resonating with what the Spirit's wanting to do. Flesh is not an issue here. It's about resonating in the Spirit and doing what God wants to do. That doesn't mean I'm shaking. I'm, I'm, but the just I function in the anointing. I do what needs to be done, whether I feel like it or not, whether I feel it or not. The presence of God is here. He has come to dwell in us. So don't just pull back waiting. Do what God's called you to do. Be the people of God. Function out of his anointing. Rest in what has already been accomplished. Have peace, even though you may be having struggles in the midst of your environment. Flow out of the atmosphere of the presence of the Lord and do the work of the Lord because it's presented in front of you. A need is there. Just be the presence of the Lord. Let the presence of the Lord be released into that situation. It's not because we feel all the time. It's because we are in him. Feeling in a, is an, a, something that's related to the emotions and, the, and, and there, sometimes it can be deceptive. And I'm not talking about the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. And I thank you, Lord, for the goosebumps. I thank you for the feeling. But a lot of times people get caught up in the feeling and they never get into the function. The body of Christ will become powerful again when we learn to function, not just look for a feeling. Ouch, is that okay? So the testimony of Jesus was, Acts chapter 1, 8, the promise, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Did the Holy Spirit come upon you? Well, then you have received power. What we need to learn to do is to flow in the power. We need to learn to release what he's already put inside of us. And I have cried and prayed and sought the Lord with my sense of unworthiness and hoping for a, a, a fresh filling and a fresh anointing and, and everything about that. And, and the sincerity cannot be challenged. It was 100% sincere. But the reality is the Scripture's declaration was you, you, you did receive power when the Holy Spirit came upon you. Don't get ensnared with the past. Rest. Don't allow your current situation to stifle you. Have peace. Function out of peace, not the atmosphere. And just do what the Spirit of the Lord needs done. Flow in the power of God. Let it be released through you. Don't try to work it up. Don't try to force it. Just do. I love that. It sets you free. You have the presence of the Lord with you. The Spirit of the Lord's come to dwell inside of us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Woo, look out, Wilson, here we come. Would you stand with me? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Okay, I, I, want, I want an affirmation for you. We're going to make a co- fresh commitment to the Lord. Oh, my goodness, there's going to be a release of God's anointing through his body in a fresh way. If you could just anticipate or sense what the Holy Spirit is doing right now inside, he's leaping up and down on the inside because he finally is getting the opportunity to do more than what he's ever done before. Some of you have been faithful, and I commend that, but there's more. There's more. Let's just be that people. Secret agents. Woo! Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear God, because it's you who've begun this good work inside of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you did on Calvary, dear Lord, to draw us back. You remove the dividing wall. There is no separation anymore. We don't have to see ourselves that way anymore. Lord, we're on the inside, not on the outside. Me, everyone here that's accepted you, Lord, we're already included in your family, dear God. There is no adoption papers to be signed. They're already signed, Lord. We're included. We're yours. So we, instead of looking towards you, hoping that you have arms open up to us, Lord, we've already been embraced by you. So we turn and look at the lost, those who need you, those who are needy around us, and say, Lord, how can you use us to reach them? Lord, would you by your power give a demonstration to show that it's God speaking to them, whether it be in word or in deed or by a physical touch, Lord God, would you work through us to accomplish your purpose? God, look no further, dear God. Look no further than right here. We are a people who right now, by our affirmations, dear God, we raise our hands to you, Lord. Use us for your glory, Lord. Take us into our community. Take us into our family and our workplaces, dear God. Lord, would you use us, activate us for your kingdom. Thank you, dear Lord, that we can rest in you, dear God. Thank you, Lord, that peace is a present thing even in the middle of a storm. And thank you, dear God, that your power resides in us to accomplish that all that you want done. Be glorified. Lord, I right now, with the authority given me, Lord, I pray for a release of your anointing over this congregation in a fresh new way. God, that whatever barrier has stood in place, dear Lord, we tear it down in Jesus' name right now. We release your anointing to flow through this congregation, dear Lord. Set captives free within and without, dear God. Lord, break the chains that have held us back. Lord, free that mighty warrior to stand up, to take the sword in hand, and do battle on your behalf, dear God. Family members, dear God, loved ones, Lord, acquaintances, Lord, that they would be set free, no longer in bondage, dear God. Hope has come. Hope has come in Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We're your people, Lord God. You don't have to look anywhere else, dear God. But, Lord, we want to share with all the, every other church in this area. Just go ahead and give them a good dose of your anointing this morning, Lord God. Hallelujah. Activate your body, dear God. Activate your body, Lord God. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, Lord. Use us, Lord. Use us. Use us, Lord God. <coughs> Use us for your glory, Almighty One. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There's been for years the body of Christ has been talking about in the last days, in the last days. We're almost there. The day's almost upon us. The day's almost upon us. And one thing's for sure, we don't know exactly what the day or the time is, but I can tell you this. I can tell you with confidence this morning, it's shorter than it ever has been. If it's ever been more, more needy that we do what needs to be done, today's that day because yesterday's already gone. We're one day shorter. There's souls that need Jesus. So use us, O oh Lord. 
I thank you this week for intentional conversations, intentional crossing of paths, dear God, intentional phone calls, and for the testimony that will bring, dear God, for your life-saving truth that you will bring healings and salvations and deliverance that you've set the captive free. And to you be all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. You're so good. You're so good, Lord.